0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Emerging Is Me. Today, I've got a very special friend, Sarah Albin. She is from California, and I met her last March or March of 2023 at the Ascend Retreat, Emily Rochelle's Ascend Retreat in Missouri. Sarah today is going to be sharing with us a little bit about her battle with breast cancer I thought that she has a a really unique perspective on, you know, going through all the things she went through and sharing just what helped her get through it, her experience and how it's made her look at life now. And a little bit about Sarah. So she is a mama, a wife, a friend, daughter, a sister, a property manager, farm life, photographer and entrepreneur. And all around, in my opinion, she's pretty badass, y'all. I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Emerging As Me podcast with me, your host, Caitlin Cox, a show to encourage and uplift you with my personal stories and impactful guest interviews as we work through the hard stuff together. We will empower one another to persevere through all of life's challenges. We'll cover it all, from marriage and motherhood, living in rural communities, loss and hardship, and how to keep faith alive while finding hope in your everyday life. The journey of life, as I have learned, isn't always a direct path to success and happiness. I'm traveling down life's winding roads, learning to navigate as I go always growing, and emerging with new perspectives and understanding. I'm constantly emerging as me through all of the things that life throws my way. So join me on this journey as we choose to emerge as better versions of ourselves every day. Let's get into it, y'all. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you finally (laughs) here to talk with me and we've been planning for months and it finally happened technology worked in our favor today and i'm just so glad you're here thank you
1: thank you for having me i'm excited to be here
0: and if you will introduce yourself and where you're from and a little bit about what you do sure my
1: name is sarah albin i am from northern california about 2 hours south of the oregon border right on the coast My husband and I have a dairy farm. I grew up on a beef ranch, which we took over from my parents for 13 years. And after my breast cancer stuff, we decided to pull back from that and focus on the dairy. I have or we have two adult children, a son who's in college and a daughter who is a second grade teacher. And. My husband and I are both from this area. We went away to college and started dating there. We're from the same area, but we didn't really run in the same circles. It's a rural area. Our town's about 12,000 people. And so we started dating when we went away to school to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is about nine hours from here, nine hour drive, and came back, got married, had kids, have done a couple of... Few different things in the Ag World. We were both raised in the Ag World. So now I've I've done a few things along in my life, kind of not quite sure what I wanted to be when I grew up along the way. I'm currently a property manager, which I've been for about six years. I own a small company with a team of four amazing ladies that work with me. And I am really excited to be here to tell you about my story with breast cancer and how I got through it.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy that you're willing to share your experience with everyone. So, I guess let's just jump right in. Initially, like when you first, I guess, got your diagnosis or first kind of figured out, you know, what was was going on? What kind of caused you to even maybe like go get checked out or, you know, just I guess tell us your story of how how it happened. Sure. So, I
1: was good about starting mammograms at age 40, which is what they recommended at the time. I think that's still the case, but they keep changing it, so I'm not yeah. sure. So, I had had clean mammograms for a couple of years and then at the age of 42, I had this weird pain in kind of in my armpit and so I was like kind of pressing around to see what that was all about and I felt a weird lump on the side of my breast, kind of near the armpit. And I had had what they call dense breasts or, and some strange lumps before that turned out to be nothing. So I just thought, oh, you know, it's it's probably nothing, but I should still get it checked out. So I made an appointment with my primary doctor and she went, you know, she did an exam and she kind of got this weird look on her face, which is never good. Um, and she said you need to get this checked out further and i always wondered like how how do they know what a normal lump is a weird lump you know that sort of thing but obviously she had she knew what she was doing so because we're in a rural area our health system is challenging at times to get in quickly and that sort of thing and even though breast cancer at least the kind i had wasn't super Quick growing, you still want to get in there like yesterday. Yeah. So I had an appointment for, and I had just, so this was in early March, and I had my previous mammogram was about a year before. So I was due. And I always tried it, my birthday's March 18th, and I always try to do it right around my birthday. And just so I remember. Mm-hmm. So I made an appointment. Getting an appointment quickly was challenging, but we got through that. And then they wanted to do a mammogram and an ultrasound on the same day because mammograms can see certain things and ultrasounds can see other things. And, you know, if for those of you that have had a mammogram, you know that you, when they squish you in that little machine, you have to get in these weird angles so they can see all the tissue they need to see. So they scheduled the ultrasound because obviously any of us that have had an ultrasound for anything, a baby or, or something else, you know, they can move that wand around and see what they need to see. So we did that. And I could tell that they could, they found something in the ultrasound, which, you know, of course I was scared about because that means generally that it's in the lymph nodes. I tried not to go to Dr. Google too much because that's really a really bad idea and scary because you can get your mind wrapped around all sorts of things that may or may not be the case.
0: Yeah, spiral really fast so, on Google. <laughs>
1: yes, it's it's good for certain things, not so much good for medical type yeah. thing. So, they called and wanted to do a biopsy, so they scheduled that. I, I can't remember the exact timing. A lot of that is is kind of a blur and I started a blog after I got my diagnosis to keep track of all this, because number one, I wanted to be able to look back and see what, what had happened because, you know, you go through a lot and you don't remember it all. Yeah. And then also, and I could talk about this a little bit later. I also wanted to have it to help other people if they had to go through this too. So they did the biopsy. They determined that it was stage two. It was in my lymph nodes but it, they weren't super huge tumors. And so that kind of got us into the process of meeting with a surgeon, meeting with an oncologist, meeting with the radiation oncologist. So the call that the doctor wanted to see me in person, which, you know, we, we knew what that meant was two days before my 43rd birthday. So, You know, I was kind of hoping I could get through my birthday and find out after the fact, but that wasn't the way it was meant to be. So once we started the process, we just jumped in with two feet. My husband was amazing and I had a lot of support from my family, my best friend, my sister. And so it was it was shocking, but it was almost because it took a a few weeks to get to the diagnosis, I was Preparing myself for it, if that makes sense,
0: yeah, yeah, you mentally had time to kind of process what was coming before you even really knew exactly what it was, right you, you mentioned you know your husband and your support system. how do you feel like a support- a support system played into like the whole process for you as far as like how it helped you and how it helped you move through it? I think you always expect your you know your family
1: and your best friend and your the people close to you to be there for you but what floored me was and i shared a lot of my journey on facebook in an effort to help other people learn about it and be prepared if they went through something like that but what what floored me was people came out of the woodwork i had met a lady in texas at this seminar i went to and she was sending me presents and and cards and I had people bringing me food and, you know, sending me care packages. And I was just blown away by the support of those that I didn't really think I was that close with. And it was just such a great reminder of people, you know, they, they want to be there for you and whatever their motivation is, doesn't matter. But it, it was just, it made me feel good. It was something that you know little things helped me get through the things i was going through
0: yeah it helped lift your spirits i'm sure it did it, it did and it was good people still in the world
1: oh definitely without a doubt and and we live in a great community
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: was yeah it was it was just amazing
0: so like, i can think we've kind of gotten through you know your initial diagnosis and then after you know you found out before your birthday, what was happening? What was going on? What were your next steps as to, I guess, your treatment and how that went? So I
1: I had what's called triple positive breast cancer, which means that estrogen, progesterone, those are the two hormones that play in that can help it grow or get worse. And then without getting too technical, because even I still don't understand all of that, I was HER positive, H E R2 positive, I think it is the term. And so basically that type of cancer was so studied that I could have asked 50 doctors and they would have all had the same treatment plan, which made me feel really good. So I met with an oncologist here. He you know those when you go into the doctor's office and they have that white paper on the the chairs, the little beds you sit on he took a big sharpie and wrote out this plan of this is what you're going to do you're going to do four harsh basically harsh chemos the type that make you lose your hair and then after that i would have to do well so i did those treatments and then i would have surgery with the hope that the chemo shrunk the tumor enough which it did it made it almost to where they couldn't even see much in surgery so then i did surgery And I did a lumpectomy. I chose not to do a full mastectomy. And then after I did that and I recovered from surgery, I did 30 rounds of radiation. So that was, it was easy once I got there, but it was a half hour drive each way for 30 days in a row, taking off on the weekends. And so I was very glad that the plan that they had laid out for me was so standardized, for lack of a better term, which that made me feel better. Like, okay, it's not just like some,
0: before, yeah. Like it's yes, been done before, yes. yeah.
1: Right, right. And so, I it was a lot. I think my very first reaction was, no, I don't want to go through chemo. I don't want to lose my hair. Mm-hmm. But I, I sort of circumvented that, which I can talk about in a little bit. But that was. I had a little bit of time, about a month, before I started chemo. They had to put a port in so they didn't have to use my veins. And so I had a little bit of time to mentally prepare. Mm -hmm. But if you want, I can talk about the hair thing.
0: I'm completely open to it if you are.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I don't know if you've heard of cold caps.
0: I have. I have heard of the cold caps.
1: So they were something that I had kind of heard about but I didn't know much about. I thought they were really really expensive and are one of or the oncologist suggested I look into it cuz my hair the people on the podcast can't see my hair but I have mm-hmm. curly red hair that's always kind of been part of my identity so I really didn't want to lose it. Not that anyone ever wants oh, to lose like their, their hair.
0: Personality in it, Sarah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so cold caps had been used in Europe for about 30 years and they were just kind of becoming a thing in the US in 2018 which is when I went through this. And basically you it was a kit that you rented and you have to put them on I think it's 30 minutes before your chemo starts and you have to wear them all through chemo and then you have to wear them like I think it's 3 hours after you finish up chemo for the day. And you have to get a bunch of dry ice. I can't even remember how many pounds of dry ice you get. And then you have to, you put them on. They kind of look a little bit like a soft bike helmet, for lack (laughs) of a better term. They're real, they're real sexy. (laughs) And my husband was there. He was amazing. He had to switch it out every 30 minutes because what it does is it, Basically freezes the hair follicles so the chemo can't get to it, and he he had to make sure that they were the right temperature. I believe it was some ridiculous number, like negative thirty-two degrees or something. I mean, you put it on and it's shocking, but then you your head goes numb and and you kind of sort of get used to it. I mean, there's so much going on, you don't. But it it was worth it. And then I I had to, you know, I couldn't wash my hair. More than once a week, and I had to do super gentle. Couldn't cut my hair. Couldn't. Wasn't supposed to do any heat products or pull it back. Although I did pull it back into a loose ponytail. But I write about it on my my breast cancer blog, which we I can send to you to link. Yes,
0: yes, and yeah, you can I've see. Heard of the cold cap, but I haven't like heard in detail about how it actually works. And that sounds like a lot. Going through everything that you're going through, that's a lot to keep up with. To
1: it it was, you know, I talked to a few other people going through treatment around the same time. And some people were like, I don't care about my hair. I just want to get through this. But I did care. And my, a lot of my thinking was, if you look in the mirror, and you see a bald person, I think, if you look good, you feel better. It was kind of mine and my husband's thinking. So we, we chose to go that route. And I couldn't have done it without him. And you know, I probably lost maybe 30 to 40% of my hair. But if you didn't know, like when I was going through chemo, I would run into people on the street and they'd, they'd say, are you going through chemo? And I'd say, yeah. And how's it going? Good. And they'd kind of give me this weird look like, why do you still have your hair? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but two, I feel like that's a way to hold on to your identity through it. Like you don't, you know, a way to hold on to... To yourself and not, you know, like, lose yourself in it. I feel like that's a way, like, because I'm very much would, like, I want to keep my hair too, if that happened to me, because, I mean, I'm a hairstylist, and that's just, you know, my identity is, like, I have extra hair put in my head right now, because, (laughs) you know, so that very much, I can see how, you know, you look good, you feel good, and that's another part that goes into, like, keeping your spirits up through the process. And oh, definitely. Is.
1: Yeah, it was. It was definitely worth it. I would definitely. Write. And it doesn't work for everyone because, well, you have to have someone who can do it for you. Switch them out. Although there are hospitals that offer a new type where you just keep it on all the time and it's connected to some kind of machine that keeps it cold. So my hospital didn't have that, but I, I think in the bigger cities they might offer that, but. And my type of chemo worked. I had to do it every three weeks. I know someone who tried to do it and she, she had a different type of breast cancers. So she had to go in for chemo once a week and she kept some of her hair, but it wasn't as successful as,
0: as mine. Yeah. Hey y'all, are you super busy? chasing around kids trying to keep it together like I am well I'm here to tell you to remember slow down and take care of yourself even if it's just by washing your hair using a really good deep conditioner or practicing a skincare routine in the morning and at night and don't worry friend I'm here to point you in the direction of the good stuff As a cosmetologist of 12 years, I'm adamant about using salon quality professional products. But I'm sure, as you know, sometimes it's hard to get your hands on them, especially if you live in a rural community. But fear not, I've got a solution. In the show notes, you can find a link to my Hair by Caitlin Cox salon store. You'll find all the big professional brand name products, You can shop and have it shipped directly to your door. Don't hesitate to reach out or DM me on Instagram if you need help finding the right products for your specific hair type and texture. I would love to help you find a way to take care of yourself. You deserve it, friend. So you've made it through your treatments and coming out on the other end of it. When you go back in to the doctor and they finally clear you, how how did that feel?
1: It was like, finally, this gremlin is out of my body, you know, that type of thing. I still, I only have to go once a year for mammograms. I have to go in for a special type of diet, like 3D type mammogram because they, you know, they're obviously keeping an eye on the spot where I had the tumors before. I I still think about it sometimes. I I get nervous for my mammograms, and then once they finally say, you know, they send you this report that says, you know, no evidence of disease or something like that. It's kind of like big sigh of relief.
0: Mm-hmm. But I, it's. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> it's
1: important to me to help other people get through this type of thing, especially with what I went through this summer. Which yeah. I can touch on that if you want.
0: Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to get going to ask is kind of you know, after you were cleared and then you kind of had how long was it in between until you went back? Because it was was it like it was after March, I think, when you this summer, yeah. And if you will, I guess, tell us about about that.
1: Right. So I this past year or twenty twenty three, I was coming up on my five five year cancer free. Day, which was August 8th. And a few weeks before that, I had had in the area where I had radiation, kind of under my bra strap line, I had had this kind of weird lump. And my doctor and I had been watching it, and we thought it was scar tissue from radiation and surgery. And so I finally, you know, I had an appointment with her, and she felt it, and she kind of was. I said, I'm a kind of freaking out. And she's like, yeah, I can see why. And so I won't go into too long of a story there, but what it ended up being was a sarcoma, which is a type of tumor, a soft type of tumor. And it was caused by my radiation therapy that I had for the breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So And apparently, it's a side effect that's very, very rare, and they probably told me about it, but with everything going on, I'm sure I didn't even remember. And in all honesty, I knew I needed to do the radiation, so it wouldn't have probably changed anything. But, yeah, that was a... Who knew that you could get cancer from another type of treatment?
0: Cancer from your cure, yeah.
1: But... I got through it. I wrote about that more on my blog, which I, you know, can share. Mm-hmm. And I just want people to know probably the biggest thing that came out of that is I want people to be aware that that can happen, even though it's super rare. So this time, that time around, the treatment they were kind of considering wasn't as much of a slam dunk. So I ended up having surgery. They said you could do chemo. But there's only 50% chance it will shrink the tumor and we're going to have to do surgery anyway. I said, let's just get this thing out and do surgery. So we did that. They got the tumor. They got clean margins. So once again, I'm cancer free, which is great. I think I've had enough cancer for my life <laughs> and no more for me. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think that you have come through it so like gracefully and just like kicked it in the ass. And just from, I mean, I've just met you like last year, but I could tell not even knowing that you had gone through breast cancer, just your personality and your presence, you can tell that you're just very like, no, you're not going to run over me and like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep on pushing, you know? So I feel like your spirit going in, anybody going into any kind of like challenging, you know, a battle with cancer of any kind or anything like that, it the spark that you have to bring in and through it, really, I feel like you've got to fight. You've got to want to fight. And I feel like you are full of that fight, Sarah.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yes. I would say I'm helping a friend get through the testing right now. She hasn't gotten a diagnosis yet. And I just said, I said, just push. Who cares if they think you're a pushy bitch? Yeah. Use my language. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, who cares? Like, this is your health you're talking about. You have to advocate for yourself. If you feel like something's wrong and she has, you know, a family history of it, push. Yeah. You know, y- you can't, you have to, you can't just sit there and wait for them to call you back. Sometimes you, sometimes you have to call them several times. Just especially, you know, I will give a huge shout out to St. Joseph Hospital in Eureka, California. They were amazing when I went through all my treatments the first time I had to go out of the area for my second one, but the first time it was amazing great doctors, amazing nurses you know i I wouldn't change a thing other than not getting cancer of course
0: but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but that's the one thing I would tell everyone is push be your own advocate, you know until you get answers and don't be afraid to say Do I need to see another doctor? Do I need to see a specialist? Do I need to go to a big city? I mean, nobody wants to go to a big city, but sometimes it's necessary.
0: So through this whole process, what or I guess, how do you feel like it has changed like your perspective on the way you look at life or how you live your life?
1: I think it made me realize that the most important thing is family and taking care of your health. Everyone has a different way of taking care of their own body. I don't claim to be an expert at all. One thing is I I just, you know, I keep up on my mammograms every single year. I get one every year on the dot. If I feel a weird lump or pain or something like that, sometimes it's easy to go to a dark place. But I have to tell myself, no, slow down, go see your doctor if you need to, but take care of yourself. Because if it's something that needs to be addressed, it's going to be there no matter what. If it's not, then you probably worried for nothing. You know what they say about a rocking chair, you can keep rocking, but you're not going to get anywhere. And the worrying's kind of like that. And I think we all know it's in God's hands anyway. So I prayed a lot more during that. Than probably I ever have. And that's, you know, another good thing that came out of it.
0: Yeah. yeah I know when I've ever been like going through like something really hard or like grieving or struggling, I've, I always like find myself turning back to faith and like digging in deeper. And I can't remember the verse right offhand, the chapter and everything, but I, it's God's close to the brokenhearted. And I, really believe that i mean he is there with you walking beside you and you just need to lean on him right and i i'm thankful for all the prayers i either knew
1: about or even didn't know about from from people i know even people i don't know i had people send me messages you don't know me but i know your aunt or your cousin and i'm praying for you and and that was amazing
0: And that's something, too, that's, like you said, is amazing because you never know who is watching you go through your fight. And they may be going through something similar and showing them how you handled that so gracefully walking through that battle is really could give them the hope to take a step forward the next day just to move forward. You know, I really, really believe that you like you said, you never know who's watching you. Okay. So I know we have talked a little bit about your blog and I am going to be sure to get that information and link it for everybody. So you had your blog that you started when you first got your diagnosis, right? And then you've got your um, latest blog. You started it last, was it last spring after um, cN you started back blogging some?
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the exact month that I started the Make Yourself Proud blog, but that was one of the things that came out of the ascend retreat and that's been really a great thing for me to kind of share things that I've learned and and I threw in a little bit of the cancer stuff but my first blog I wrote as I was going through treatment and it was it was a good way to kind of put all the information out there so I didn't have to keep answering the same questions over and over from different people and I also started I had a Facebook group that I started and invited my friends and family so I could put little updates in there. And so they kind of knew what was going on. So I didn't have to go over the same details over and over.
0: And that can be draining when you're the one going through the the actual hard part of it, having to repeat it to everybody over and over every day. I, I completely understand that. I've read a little bit of your new the Make Yourself Proud blog, and I really like it. I feel like it has a really good, like, spark or spunk to it, and I really, I mean, I feel like we as women can downplay, like, just our life experience and, like, like, oh, nobody, nobody will care if I put that out there or if I do this, but again, going back to you never know who's watching, you never know who your experience is might touch or it might help them. And even if it's like the tiniest, slightest little way, just to kind of give them a little spark in that moment that they may need. So I was so excited to see that you started your blog and I am keeping up with you in my in the emails. And okay. I, like I said, we're going to be sure to link everything for everybody so we can keep up with you. But do you have any last words of wisdom about you know your experience through all the breast cancer and or even just you know from you just as a woman who is yeah a badass? <laughs> One thing I would say is if anyone is even remotely
1: interested and you can swing it, Emily Russell's ascend retreat was amazing., yes. that's how Caitlin and I got connected, and that kind of spurred me to start this latest blog. Another thing I learned from Ascend and some of the other things that have come from it, Mastermind and that sort of thing, is building a community outside your physical community is amazing. You get to connect with people that have similar interests or that type of thing. I was connected with some breast cancer groups when I was going through that. So we could ask questions, we could help each other. I think connecting, and it's obviously easier, the easier than it ever has been with social media and zoom and, you know, Google meet and all those things. But sometimes it's easy to feel alone. And if you can connect with other women or even, you know, other people that are in a similar World that you're in, whether it's your career or your health or your, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, my kid is driving me crazy and I'm in a little different stage than you are with adult children, but
0: sometimes they'll drive you crazy too. (laughs) Sometimes they do.
1: Don't tell them I said that, of course. (laughs) But yeah, building a community and just being able to reach out and say, hey, I'm having a really tough day, or hey, can you? can you go look at my blog post and tell me what I need to add or that sort of thing, or even this connection that you and I have made on here. So yeah,
0: it's a small world. It's a lot smaller world than we really think it is. And you're only like one person away from knowing who knows who, you know, it's right. Well, Sarah, I'm so glad that you're here today. And thank you so, so much for being here with us to share your story and about you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Emerging as Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and touch more lives. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To continue the conversation, you can find and follow me on Instagram. Talk with y'all later.